Hey anime friend, you're listening to the podcast version of this video. If you're a person who loves visuals, I suggest checking out the Anime to YouTube. That's also where you can leave your thoughts on the topics I talk about in this episode. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Peace! There's an unparalleled beauty that exists in the early days of anime on TV. Spending Friday nights watching an orphan ninja fight for his future with a smile on his face. Waking up earlier on Saturdays than you do on school days just to watch a boy your age travel the world with his adorable electric companion. Catching pieces of a series where a boy falls for a beautiful alien girl late at night with the volume low so you don't get caught staying up past your bedtime. There's a magic in the discovery of anime back then in the days before the internet was easily accessible to all. Whether it was the grainy quality of the television you sat too close to as a kid, no matter how many times your parents told you you'd ruin your eyes, the fact that shows had to be watched between several three-minute commercial breaks instead of one uninterrupted sitting, or the poor audio quality, TVs back then were chests that would now contain nostalgic treasure waiting to be discovered. If you grew up in the US, you're probably familiar with a handful of particular series because of the work of channels and programs like WB's For Kids, which helped to spread the popularity of certain series like Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh! and One Piece. These series were more than just shows, they became addictions to the young kids that watched them and made these kids ask their parents or guardians to get video games, video consoles, cartridges, VHSs and DVDs, trading cards, plushies, and more. It's easy to look back years later and think that your childhood self just knew that anime was different from everything else you were watching at the time. Yes, there was something special about most of the shows on 4Kids, considering there was more anime made by gaming companies than there were western cartoons on the channel. But even with 4Kids ties to the Japanese gaming and anime industry at the time, the channel still mixed western animation into their programs. Meaning I and hundreds of other kids didn't really know that Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh!, One Piece, Sailor Moon, Sonic X, Kirby Fully Loaded, I mean, oops, uh, wrong kids channel, um, Kirby Right Back At Ya, and others were different from shows like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Winx Club, and whatever other random non-anime shows were on there in the 2000s that I don't really remember. To be honest, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle was similar enough in art style and an insane plot twist to me as any other show on 4Kids at the time. And Winx Club was definitely stylistically different, but still captivating for being one of the only shows on the channel that featured a cast of girls in a magical fantasy setting, especially since I somehow missed reruns of Sailor Moon that would also play on the channel. And though much of 4Kids licensing deals were 100% only made to make children convince their guardians to buy merchandise and video games, it was also a fairly easily accessible channel to most kids who had access to a TV at the time transforming these series with their weirdly shaped donuts and finger guns into an integral part of the 2000s anime watching experience, despite all the localization changes that growing up fans would later criticize them for. Pressing the fast forward button on the 4Kids era until we get to the next channel that is so influential to anime accessibility, it is given the most credit for creating anime fans in the 2000s in America, Cartoon Network and Adult Swim. I had already been watching Cartoon Network and 4Kids simultaneously as a kid, but my personal jump from 4Kids to Cartoon Network exclusively only happened when I realized that the Pokemon movies would play on Cartoon Network in the late afternoons, which is where I stumbled upon the Toonami block. I caught Toonami during its transition from Friday nights where they aired Pokemon movies to Saturday nights at 7pm where they ran a whole block of anime that could only be described as the second impact of major series that would create the next super fans of anime that we probably still have today. 
especially when they introduced me and thousands of other kids to everyone's favorite orange ninja, Naruto. But Naruto was just the tip of the anime iceberg that Toonami would be showing to me and thousands of other kids late at night, or early at night at this time. After Naruto, there were series like Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z, of course, reruns actually, Zatch Bell, and Bobobo, Bobobo? You guys remember this weird ass series? Tell me, if you remember the series, tell me this was not the most insane anime series to ever exist on American television. Like the dude literally used his nose hairs to fight people. Other series like Mare and Blue Dragon and a couple of others that have since escaped my memory, but were still fundamental on me wanting to find more anime. These all kept me up at night as I explored world after world of strange characters and absurd stories that captured my attention until my parents told me to go to bed. And the addiction that started from four kids convincing me to make my parents buy me every Pokemon game and trading card available transformed into this love for this obscure media that was somehow different from cartoons, but in a way I had yet to understand. As I got older and more sneaky and Toonami's blocks kept getting later and later into Saturday nights, I would find ways to stay up and watch series that shifted into the tantalizing forbidden world of Adult Swim. With more shows premiering on that platform and me discovering that I could stay up late and watch them, for example, experiencing Full Metal Alchemist for the first time as like a 11 or 12 year old is an insane experience. Like imagine trying to comprehend war, violence, the way the Philosopher's Stone was created as a 12 year old and countless other series that would play from, you know, in the late night, early morning hours of Toonami where I would go and sneak into my older sister's room to stay up and watch them. The absolute insanity of Toonami anime at that time as a young person, really watching series featuring robots popping from kids' heads, horrifying demons chasing after schoolgirls, and sentient metal armor with the voice of a child was like, it completely skewed what I thought my imagination was capable of. On top of that though, there were series full of violence, cursing, and the more than occasional scantily clad lady with a whole lot of cleavage that I knew my young ass was not supposed to be watching, hence the sneaking around. If you have memories of setting your volume to level two or lower so you could barely just hear whatever is playing on the TV, you, you know what it is, you know what it is. Among all those incredible shows, there is one series that truly captivated my very soul, which sounds dramatic, but remember I was 12. An ephemeral show that featured a boy flying through the sky on a surfboard, a beautiful alien girl, a giant robot, and a diverse cast of characters, like literally guys, like four black characters, which blew my mind at the time and honestly still does because how many anime out there has that many black characters in a show? Not that many. Anyway, it was unlike anything I'd seen in an anime at the time. There's war, there's violence, there seems to be romance, all the things my young adolescent puberty-driven brain were craving to watch. Rekka 7 was a series that I would not learn the name of until many years later, but in the little bits of it I got between several three-minute commercial breaks and the incredible music bumps by Adult Swim, it became a series that captivated and inspired me with its creativity and art style. It is one of my top favorite series to this day, despite whatever the creator is trying to do to ruin it, and I watch it often for the nostalgia of finding a series that felt truly immersive and stunning to watch. I believe the impermanence and exclusivity of TV is what made discovering anime so magical. Anime and cartoons were literally built different back then. Waiting a week to find out if one character ever kicked another character's ass after they talked trash all episode made me anxious to know what happened next. 
the four by three square aspect ratios that make older series look like you're watching them through the dark void of space on a widescreen made them feel cozy and comforting on a you know tv in the 2000s the tv business playing jedi mind tricks on people by saying that a show would run for 30 minutes when it was actually only 22 minutes with eight minutes of commercials in between. These square shows with their characters who had big eyes and even bigger adventures stood apart with their different styles, different essence, and different cultures from anything else on TV at the time. Propelling my love for anime to a degree where I started to get my fix from other places, including scouring the darkest parts of the 2000s internet, early YouTube. Where surprisingly, many anime shows were available at the time because people would just re-upload them and YouTube at the time didn't really have a copyright infringement policy. So you could watch full episodes of series as long as they were broken up into little parts. So one episode could be broken up anywhere from like two to ten parts um, and you had to go scour the YouTube algorithm at the time, which was not that great, to find all the parts of one episode and all the parts of a series. I also learned to sail the seven seas at an early age by going on to one of the sketchiest, most pirate websites at that time, which was actually Crunchyroll. For the uninformed, if you did not know, Crunchyroll started off as a pirate anime site before deciding to, you know, clean up their act and go legal. I would stumble and search and scour through YouTube and Crunchyroll to find my next fix. And this, my friends, is where I finally discovered the greatness, the amazingness that is shoujo anime. Even though at the time I didn't know shoujo and shonen were two different things and I wouldn't really understand that until a little bit later in my life, but at the time when stumbling upon this was like finding this pink rose-colored flowery treasure chest of cuteness and romance. Somehow growing up watching 4Kids and even Toonami, I missed series like Sailor Moon and Cardcaptor Sakura, known as Cardcaptor at that time in the US. But I did find Fruits Basket, the 2001 version, which still has the most heartfelt opening dub cover of all time. You can fight me on that. I also found Full Moon Wosakashite, Shugo Chara, The Wallflower, Princess Tutu, among others. But the real treasure was the broken up episodes of the Oran High School Host Club dub that I found online, specifically on YouTube, and I watched the entire series more than once, again and again, quickly falling deeply in love with characters Haruhi and Tamaki specifically. She was just someone who embodied a lot of young girls' ideas about how they per looked and how they wanted to be perceived at the time and like kind of touched on the insecurities of being looked at and perceived a certain way especially when I grew up a lot of things around me a lot of things I watched of course and shonen, shonen uh, series included made me think that being a boy was just better it was it was awesome everything was targeted towards boys anything girly was kind of put down so being in dresses like my mom wanted me to dress in cute frilly stuff and I didn't want that. I wanted t-shirts, I wanted pants, I didn't want to look like a girly girl. I wanted to be a kind of tomboy. Seeing that kind of reflected in Haruhi like really spoke to me and I was immediately hooked and invested in her character but also I love the moments when she dresses cute and also embraces it because she doesn't feel afraid to just embrace both parts of her femininity, masculinity, and all parts of who they are. So that series for Haruhi alone was fundamental to my life. It was a combination of these series that I found on the internet and on TV that would end up leading to a fundamental shift in my life. When I went into 
middle school. I had no idea that when I entered middle school, all my days of watching anime would actually pay off. Well, who would have guessed that one of the first people I would sit next to in PE class, who would still be one of my best friends to this very day, was a girl who watched Naruto and built up our repertoire of series that we liked, characters that we liked or disliked, and so on. Literally spending hours debating which of the Demon Brothers was hotter in Inuyasha, Sashomaru or Inuyasha in middle school, without the influence of the internet really, me and my little friends who were ridiculed by the other popular kids at least felt like we had a place to belong in our little groups. And it made going to school just that much less lonely. The more I talked about anime with my friends, the more I understood the differences between anime and cartoons and how, like, and how it was created and the characters and the style and how we all kind of gravitated towards anime more than cartoons, especially when my friends started to introduce me to the world of manga, which I at the time had no idea about, and they told me to get like Shonen Jump magazine, you could subscribe to it, uh, you could read manga in the bookstores, and so much more. And I freaked out. Shonen Jump magazines only come once a month. You have to wait a month to get the next chapter of whatever is going on in the series which is insane for a kid who just only has to wait a week to get a next episode of anime. Waiting a month felt like forever, but it was worth it because I fell in love with these static black and white images of my favorite series shown in a slightly different art style and portrayed in a different way that I didn't even think was possible. And right now I'm visiting my parents' house, hence the different background and the terrible lighting, but I have behind me my entire Shonen Jump collection and some of my old video games. These are my whole collections from 2008 to 2012. But also quickly discover in Shonen Jump manga that how different it was from the anime, you know, not only in art style and things like that, but how far behind the anime was to, compared to the manga and how different the stories were that you read. I was watching Naruto um, online and on TV, but Naruto Shippuden had already started in the manga and I was like, whoa, what happened? What's, what's this time skip? Why are they all older? Why is Shikamaru even more hot? I didn't understand. And then I realized that the manga is uh, been going on longer than the anime and that there are adaptations and I learned so much simply from getting the Shonen Jump manga magazine. Same could be said for series like Bleach, which my entire collection is mostly filled with Naruto, Bleach, and One Piece, um, with a couple of other series in between, like Tagami Bachi, um, some reprints of Yu Yu Hakusho, uh, this one series by Stan Lee called Ultimo, and a couple of other series that I don't really remember off the top of my head, but I might show in a clip on here. I realized I could go to my local library, which had recently been renovated, and kind of started promoting their manga section. I could go there and check out manga for free. And being able to just like recapture that love for like the adventure and the craziness that is like Naruto, Bleach, and other series in manga format, like reliving them as if I was watching them for the first time was incredible. I even went back to my local library just to see how their manga collection may have changed. It actually sadly didn't change too much. It moved locations. It didn't get that much bigger, which made me a little bit sadder. But I could tell that many of the series that were still there had been there since I was a kid and are possibly, but they've definitely been worn, worn down and read through. There was also a little adult section with Berserk and other series in there. And I was like, oh, this is cool. There's also a little bit of shoujo manga, which we didn't have like any of at the time when I was growing up. Not that I remember at least 
maybe Fushigi Yugi because I did see that there when I went again. But yeah, it was crazy visiting this place that I used to visit in my childhood and reliving the nostalgia of going through the manga and reading like the yellowed pages that had been worn through and read through and torn through. Anime and manga found their way sneakily into my life through the localization and the promotion of, you know, channels like 4Kids and Cartoon Network and all of their programming. And it worked so well on me because I am still to this day super in love with all the series that I grew up watching. And it's nice to sometimes revisit that when you are getting older every year, like especially when a birthday comes around and you have an existential crisis about how you're getting old and you haven't accomplished much and you still talk about anime. But then I just go back and watch and read anime and manga and I feel comfortable again. It's this desire to like reawaken my love for anime and manga that made me make this channel, made me talk about things that I love to do and watch and you know, share my opinions and create a community of other people who also have opinions about their favorite series and we can talk about it. And it just feels nice. I've, I've made so many friends who also love anime and it just feels nice to have community. That same feeling of community that I had in middle school is now like being recreated as an adult and it's necessary to have something like that as well as being able to balance, you know, just being in adulthood. Um, Everyone's experience with first finding anime or manga or any hobby or interest they stumbled upon as a kid and has become a lifelong passion is filled with weird little stories full of culture, identity, location, and so on. And I love exploring and talking about that in my videos. And I really would like to know what your all's earliest experience with anime, manga, and things like that was, whether it was in childhood, whether it's recently, how do you describe your experience with the medium and the fandom and things in it? Please share your thoughts. I really want to know and like continue on the conversation of this video in the comments. Remember that your anime and manga experiences are valid no matter where you started at, no matter where you came from, no matter what you've watched or what you do with it or how you talk about it. As long as it's respectful, it's valid. So remember that. Thank you again for watching. I said that already. I don't know how to end the video. It's been too long. Bye. <laughs> Peace. I don't know what to say. I'll see you in the next video. Peace.